This is the Gizern Roastcast. My name is Philip Ackerblom and I'm your host. Let's go down the rabbit hole of knowledge, experimenting and how to build a business over a cup of coffee. One of those topics that I was really interested about was a roast color. Because roast color is like something that we don't have any like... Uh, like there's no international standard for roast color. We all only have like different way of looking on the brown color. So what's better than to talk with another roast master who is really interested in um, uh, getting accurate roasting. And today I have the honor to have Mr. Case Crackman with me. Did I pronounce it right? Yeah, you can also say uh, Case the first Crackman. Or a case the second crack man. <laughs> but, um, Depending on the mood. <laughs> Depending on the rose color, yeah. <laughs> so uh, a case for, for the people, um, also like you're Dutch, uh, so... Um, yeah, you, you, would, you would say case Kraakman okay. in, uh, in Dutch. But uh, I think for you, you did it really well. Case Kraakman, case Kraakman. For the people who's listening to this uh, episode... Uh, who are you? And uh, just like briefly, how did you start ro- roasting? Yeah, well, thanks for having me uh, uh, to start with. Uh, my name is just Kees Kraakman and I uh, started roasting uh, 25 years ago, I think, for a small company in uh, Holland, the Netherlands, called the Golden Coffee Box, Boat Coffee. Uh, some people might know uh, Willem, uh, Willem Boat, and his brother Barend Boat had a uh, a little shop where I started working uh, when I was 18. Uh, and I uh, developed my uh, coffee roasting skills over there. Uh, worked for 10 years for the company and I traveled uh, and became the roast master. And uh, at the end, I started my own uh, consulting company uh, and I got my AST license. So I did a lot of uh, roast training last couple of years, last last decade, I would say. And last five years, I'm uh, mainly uh, concentrating on my own roastery uh, bakery. So I'm a bread baker uh, and running a cafe. So we have a cafe uh, together with my uh, colleague Mike in uh, in Amsterdam North, where we uh, where we open daily, serving um, yeah coffee, uh, bread, lunch, breakfast, the whole uh, shebang. Nice. It's interesting. We have like talking. Uh bakery as well because i imagine that the color is really important with baking bread as well yeah yeah shaker yeah with uh bread baking it's almost the other side around you you really need the guts to go uh, dark to to bake dark to get a nice crust uh with coffee roasting it's more the other side around i would say but um yeah i know and and it's re- reaction of mayara eh, in both cases so mm. uh, the two have uh, much much alike Although the roasting of coffee is more, way more difficult or, or way more technical, I would say, than uh, than we do with bread baking. But like when you started to roasting, when did you found out that I need to like really understand roast color or track roast color? Like, how did you start? Well, we uh, we just when I started roasting, we just needed to measure the color. Uh, and this this was twenty years ago. So like you were like ta- uh, taking out yeah. like samples with a trail, yeah. Yeah, 
yeah, we would just take out samples out of the bag and then uh, grind it and measure it via an um, infrared, infrared kind of system. And uh, and it was more, yeah, and it still is. It's it's seeing if you if you are on target, eh? so if you hit the right color. I'm I'm just like um uh, when I started roasting, I was, I was like taking out you know samples from the roast machine, you know, like one minute, and then I was taking out the sample with the tray, and then I was like waiting one minute, you know, like to get an understanding of the development time when roasting, just like visually looking on the color. Did you do that as well? Yeah, when when I started roasting, then the, the the there wasn't much knowledge about roasting, so we just mainly made made the color brown uh, <laughs> and took it out just before. So my my goals were just before second crack, on second crack, and in second crack, uh, and then correlated with a certain time uh, or a certain ideal time. And then we just measured the color afterwards as an uh, as just a pro forma action, which was something which you needed to do. But much later on, uh, last ten years, when we started using um, uh, logging software, and especially in my case, Copster, mm. uh, you you see the um, yeah the, the influence of a roast developing time, but also ten seconds, twenty seconds, thirty seconds, maybe a split second, uh, and and how it deviates in color afterwards and um uh yeah and that's that 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 was obviously then the color became way more um important it gave us way more important yeah understanding and how important the uh, development mm. of the coffee was and, and the and the color and obviously it's just now a measuring a tool of measuring if you um if you kind of hit the same flavor if that you mm. wanted to yeah. right uh, how many color changes do you log when you're roasting it's like because uh, many people don't you know also logging the color change during the roasting what do you how do you see about that well the first one is uh, when you when you start having a maya reaction so when the coffee starts having a more yellowish uh, appearance mm-hmm. uh then, then we go into Maillard reaction and we left the drying phase. And uh, in, in a drying phase where you're just boiling water, there's not much uh, flavor change going on. But Maillard is a reaction where its uh, byproducts are aromatics. So it's interesting to track that, how long your Maillard mm-hmm. reaction is. So that's the first one. And then uh, that's a fellow uh, a phase which is called yellow or a hay-like phase in smell. And then further on, um, when we hit caramelization, so that's around 160 degrees, and the coffee starts to smell a bit bread-like mm-hmm. now. It left the hay uh, aromas, but more sweeter, I almost want to say, although sweet is not an aroma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then caramelization obviously is also responsible for a lot of uh, positive and negative uh, attributes so that's also a color change phase you want to track oh, more more orange or yeah more yeah the sca likes to call it uh, cinnamon uh so a very light uh, very mm-hmm. light brown and then uh and then we have obviously the the moment first crack to the end of the crack where not only color changes are uh they follow each other up very rapidly but also the flavor components behind it so that whole 
face obviously is um, impossible to say there are one or two or three color changes because it changes color all the and time. And then it's black. <laughs> and then it's black. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying not to go there. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's really interesting. Although, and the, although I have, for instance, um, I work with two house blends, mm. North and South yeah. blend, uh, and they look in color not much darker. Uh, they contain almost the same components also, Brazil, yeah. Peru, and in the South blend I have Sumatra. And then the trick is uh, for me not to roast them really dark in color, uh, the South blend, which is more a milk blend for me. So what you would say black, but more long. So it's like a 16-minute roast, where the North blend with the same components is a 13-minute mm -hmm. roast. And only of because of that, the elongated time, uh, the South blend takes much, yeah, way more bitter and less acidic, which um, which blends well with the milk and what my customers want for, for that mm -hmm. coffee. So not only with color you can change flavor, but also with time. Uh, which create potentially less ashy flavors, which you would have with um, with a dark roast, but not, uh, but, but more bitter flavors. Yeah, yeah. We have in, in Holland as well. In, like when I talk to people in Sweden, like uh, normal coffee drinkers, uh, what kind of coffee they like? They say, um, I like uh, dark roast or I like medium roast. Like they're talking about like three, three different, like light, medium or dark roasted coffee. Yeah. <laughs> do, they, do you do the same? Yeah, they do the same. And obviously they are, um, uh, raised by, um, supermarket coffees who use those kind of terms still. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I, I try to stay away from, uh, mentioning colors on my bags. Mm. Uh, just simply from the fact to keep it a little bit more easy for customers. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't mention the roast color on my bags. I use, um, I have a filter roast and an espresso roast and like seven different origins mm -hmm. or something. And they can all have a different color in number ranging from, uh, I work with Tonino, so a very simple system mm -hmm. still. Uh, and it ranges from, Somewhere low in the 80 till uh, high in the 110. That's my span, I would say. You, but I don't mention those numbers on the packaging okay. or whatever. I it's don't. only like inter internal it's communication more, or? Exactly. It's more internal communication, which we uh, which we deviate a little bit from if it's yeah if, if it happens, but to try to hit uh, the same color week in, week out, or batch in, batch mm. out. Well, that sounds nice. It's it's quite hard to discuss roast color because, like you said, there's so many colors uh, to discuss. Yeah, yeah. So and then I mean, there is also a lot of colors who, in uh, maybe yeah, your and mine opinion, are not suitable for drinking. So like very black or super super light. Like just after first crack, for me, the coffee is still way too peanutty yeah. to uh, to to serve. Uh, and for filter coffees, yeah, also after one or two minutes, they become, I think, too flat and too bittery and the acidity is out, which you need to keep in a filter coffee to stay, uh, happy and alive, mm -hmm. I would say. Uh, so within that span, there are certain colors for us, but I think there's still a lot of people 
especially uh, in the supermarket scene, they go way darker. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and by that, destroying the um, quality of the coffee. Mm-hmm. Huh? I talked with uh, Morten Munchal earlier, and uh, he was saying that 80% of the color, like 80% of the flavor in the coffee is from the color. So it's like the impact of the color is really important when we roast. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah. it's, uh, I would say when you start learning roasting, it's to matching that the temperature and the color to see where we are. And then like the second step to, to measure the time, how you change the, the sugars and the acidity, but yeah. Yeah, it's for me. It's those parameters, eh? so time, color, um, and then especially time within the um, first crack to the end, and then the relationship mm-hmm. among those three. Uh, but uh, yeah. for the people who are going to start logging, how how do they start? Nah, I, 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 yeah, I'm sorry, but uh, they still use Actron, I think, in the official uh, scene. But those machines are so super expensive and everything in the coffee industry is so super expensive. So uh, I I still have, I work with a Tonino, which is a super simple uh, uh, machine, a gadget, which just gives you uh, a reference of your color, uh, which you can compare to yourself. Uh, And the more expensive your color meter is, the more, yeah, the better it and more precise it will be. Like you say, the, I, I, many, I, and that's a 250. Yeah, uh, there are many Sorry? different brands, like you say, about tracking color. Uh, I use the Neuhaus Neotech color tracker. Uh, and then, yeah. like you say, there's also Yavalytics, and uh, there are a lot of Asian ones as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, what do you think when, how should I select a color tracker? Uh, well, yeah, defining your budget, I think is really the first step. Mm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, actually, what's your experience? Yeah, I would say the more, uh, advanced, uh, tracker you got, the more important it is to, um, uh, calibrate the machine. So I would say if you don't know how to calibrate the machine, the machine can really fool you in color change. Uh, because yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to send you the wrong values. Uh, so I would just say that, like you, maybe to start with a cheaper one and to um, to start logging, just like to get it in um, control and uh, like um, a, de- a way of your daily tracking. You know, at, to to, yeah. to always uh, log, and then you when you start that, you can start improving with more expensive machines that are more accurate. Yeah, exactly. And most likely the, your equipment grows together with your company. So the, the bigger your company becomes, um, the more important and the more expensive these, um, these machineries uh, can get. But, uh, there are also some tablets, you know, like you can buy some printing printings that someone made, you know, they are different brown color. I think it's the SCA or something or who did it. Uh, yeah. I like color plates. Yeah, I mean, exactly. But I, I'm a bit yeah. uh, skeptic about those because if you have them in the sun or something, they can get, uh, yeah, 
of flavor. Yeah, but I still um, uh, so I don't use color plates, but I I still use my uh, a sample of the coffee to reference uh, my color, my my target color during roasting, uh, and I I keep that sample. And I refresh it every batch. So I'm up to date with the newest profile, I would say. Mm. Uh, and we still use that for the last moment to compare the coffee in the roaster with the coffee in the sample tray to, to match up the ideal color. So it's kind of a color plate. And then as soon as the coffee is out, you start measuring yeah, the, the whole batch. But that's obviously um, mm. when harm might be done. Mm -hmm. How important is is the light when like uh, the light in the room or like the light on the roaster? Yeah, it's super important. Ideally, you want your whole uh, your whole lab or coffee roastery with the same um, the same light spectrum, like a UV daylight resemblance, uh. which has certain numbers in Kelvin. I understand, huh? five thousand mm. Kelvin or something. Uh, and the roaster I have with the Giesen, uh, Giesen roasters, they have those lamps inserted in the, in the roaster. So you see it above your sample tray when you are evaluating color. But like any false light coming from uh, the rest of the roastery, which might be more yellowish, uh, yeah, that can influence the color of the, uh, the shade of brown. Eh? So mm. it's, you see that the official uh, coffee labs, they all have the same... Um, the same lights so you don't have that uh, issue when you evaluate the color the best uh, uh, have you tested the ir uh, color tracker like uh, to measure the color during roasting no i haven't but i'm very i'm very curious in it but i haven't uh, i haven't used it yet. oh then you need a really clean sight glass i imagine yeah <laughs> a lot of cleaning <laughs> have you no i haven't it's uh, everybody say to me that uh, it's a bit of a, yeah you can get faulty measurements due due to uh, the, glass. Yeah, the glass exactly uh, yeah but yeah i can imagine that yeah. there will be more technologies improving that but uh, there's one thing i thought about is why don't we have like a standard for roast color if we want to talk about the same color with people from different countries like in asia and america in America, they use uh, like full city roast or, you know, like yeah. uh, another expression of um, coloring in coffee. Uh, why do, is there, is there a need for discussing internationally roast color? Um, I don't know. Do you think? Yeah. I think for consumers, it's, um, uh, it can be just an extra thing. I think mainly we, we had this program, consumer uh, program here who investigates uh, the big giants in the supermarkets. And they found out that their latest trend is uh, instead of using Arabica or Robusta as a quality, now they say uh, light roast or ultra light roast or dark roast, more as a marketing tool to confuse consumers than it's actually helps consumers mm. um and i think a specialty we're now talking in the specialty scene right uh is there a need for like in one defined color system so that we say 
Yeah, not, like I don't, I don't, no, I don't know if there's a need for it. Actually, maybe like for us, for us roasters, like if if you and me are you know easy way to talk about. I roasted this coffee until this point instead of using temperature and time, just like to yeah. get an idea of where in the spectra we are. In because yeah. otherwise it's like rate of rise, development time. There's so many parameters to discuss but would it be easy to like just have or is it too complicated because if you you need to grind the coffee i think it's too complicated because the that number uh is so dependent on the time which where it roasts in so for instance if we would call first crack uh so green is uh, zero yeah? yeah and then first crack is uh, what eight okay and uh, and second crack is uh, 12. Yeah. Then the color eight, if it's roasted in two minutes or 12 minutes, uh, doesn't taste always like color eight. Yeah. So so what what does it add to have this unified uh, standard in it? Yeah. I think if if a special if you'd stay, tell me I've roasted this Ethiopia in uh, in 10 minutes and it's it's just one minute past first crack, um, and I, I got the I got the same coffee. Then I'm, with those numbers, I I can already start to do something, right? I already have a, an understand on what kind of color it should have end up. Yeah. So I mm. I think we will be all right without yeah. it. Yeah, it's more more confusing than helping. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't like. A lot of people don't understand the heat development during the roasting. So like you can have one color, you can have many colors inside the coffee while you're roasting, if you're roasting too fast or, uh, yeah. And like you say, it's, it's quite harsh. Uh, it, I think it's good for like in, internal use when you're talking. Yeah, exactly. Because a customer, a consumer doesn't need to know this. And, and I also, if I compare this to baking and eh, the fact how we are talking about roasting coffee what kind of heat development time uh there's i haven't seen a bakery where we are measuring the rate of rise of uh, our bread or so it's so very spe specific in um, uh, how we're talking about uh, the roasted coffee which for consumers basically they're just drinking a cup of coffee and keep on buying because either they like you you're in the neighborhood or they really like the coffee they have a uh, they develop a preference, but still, is that um, is all that added value for us professionals also interested for a consumer? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think mm. so. To be honest, so are there any like errors or like that when when I start to log roast color? Uh, is there something I need to take in consideration when doing that? Sorry, I didn't get that. Uh, so, like, when I if I found a, a nice uh, color tracker and I started to log my color, uh, is there something I need to take in consideration during the time that that can change? Or like, you know, like the, I talked earlier about calibration, but are there other things to take in consideration? Um. Uh. No, I, just, I like. Uh, you know, like if you have different grind size when you're measuring the color, 
Yeah. Yeah. No. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. We always use the finest uh, setting. Yeah. Uh, and the same setting, obviously. Uh, so if you have a very fine grind size or a very coarse grind size, then the the particle size will uh, uh, do a lot with the with the, with the color resemblance. So the finer it is, the more spread out all the brown and more accurate your result will be. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously use always the same amount and always the same um yeah, so the same grind size, but all and the same amount of coffee. Yeah. Uh, so the in my case, I have an infrared beam that travels the same length uh, over and over again, and hit the same kind of particle size. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, for sure. Is there any like other things you want to to highlight uh, while we're in this hot subject? No, I think the whole uh, for new people in the roasting industry talking about uh, rose color it's in in my scene here in amsterdam it's it's quite a thing that um we yeah define um certain <laughs> uh specialty roasters with uh very bright acidic coffees mm. uh and that uh that that's due to the roast style so to the to the color of the coffee yeah. right yeah uh, and not to the phenomenon specialty coffee, um, and there, that can be so for for people who are not in the industry, they almost think that specialty coffee should be um, super sour, but that's that's more a style of a roaster. Won't you agree? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, and that's uh, so we see that here a lot. That. Um, uh, and for that, maybe the consumer can be helped by uh, giving a little bit uh, insight in what uh, rose color can do with the uh, sweetness and the acidity of coffee. Mm. Yeah, uh, I mean, but um, that I think for new people in the coffee industry, then it's. Uh, it, I really like to um, uh, to roast to roast a color. A coffee to a second crack, for instance, ten times or eight times, and then take it out from the first crack towards the second crack. Every roast, like ten or twenty seconds later, so you get like a whole glossary of that coffee mm. from first crack to second crack in eight cups or ten cups, mm. and you uh, taste all the different uh, features of this coffee caused by the uh, roast color. And caused by caramelization, Maillard, and all those underlying uh, chemical reactions, and that that really helps you to um, to to learn this coffee eh, from inside out. Yeah. And then you pick your uh, your best color, your your most favorite color, and try that color in uh, in three different roast times or four or five different roast times. Uh, and then you can see um, which shape. Um, suits that coffee the best uh and and then in a couple of rows you you learn so much from this coffee and i think that's a really nice way to uh, to approach yeah uh developing a profile based on um, rose color yeah is there a like a color style roasting is i i did see on internet uh, there was a course in coffee roasting and it was like Scandinavian roasting style. Yeah, <laughs> is that a, is that a subject or? 
yeah, well, it's it's a thing here that um, uh, people from Scandinavia they like very acidic coffees. Okay, uh, just just the same that it's a thing here that people from Mediterranean Mediterranean sorry Mediterranean countries they like more bitter coffees. Yeah. So it's it's almost like um, uh, geographically defined the way you live. Um, so if you have a lot of yeah, if you have a lot of sun in your life, you need bitter coffee. <laughs> and if you have a lot of snow in your life, you need acidic coffee. Now that's that's my vision. But, uh, <laughs> and we're in the middle. But, yeah. uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, but, probably it started from the Norwegian countries who roast very light. Yeah, so even you have a difference in that. Yeah, yeah uh, you see a difference like in that. In yeah. Sweden, there's not so many light roasted coffee. It's... Uh, it's more on the darker side for the commodity business, but in the special, oh, in yeah. the specialty, it's, uh, yeah, it's always a bit lighter to enhance the sweetness and acidity. No, and I think, uh, so I don't know the level of the, the, the listeners, but it's good to define that, uh, I think everything past second crack, um, is, is too dark. Mm. Do you agree? Yeah. Like, uh, it's for me, it's, you get to a point when you start to taste burnt and it's, I would say it's the same thing. If you roast too light, it, it uh, everything is going to taste like you say peas or like underdeveloped Yeah. and uh, yeah. like overdeveloped. It's the same. It's like if you have different coffees and roast them beyond second crack, they will all taste ashy. Yeah. No, but I think that's good to, uh, uh, so in the specialty scene to establish that fact that that roasting too dark creates really uh, unifying and ashy flavors while roasting too light creates uh, peanutty flavors so the the scheme where we operate is uh, yeah between those between those cracks basically mm-hmm. and then um, uh, and then you see a cultural difference in um, in what what the preference is yeah. but you, you explained um, it very well when like the diverse the different uh, to to approach the coffee in different ways before you want to set your profile yeah and i think that's important um uh, to realize that not each coffee desires the same approach or the same roast style so like for instance a brazil uh, which has more nutty flavors can be roasted a little bit more darker than a Kenya, which wants to scream out loud uh, berries and, uh, and grapefruits, that, that might desire a more lighter roast profile to enhance those uh, to enhance those flavor flavors. So, desire, yeah, I think each coffee flavor profile desires a different roast profile. Yeah. So, what would you like to say to the people out there who haven't started to log their color? No, I think it's really for me. It's really a tool to um, uh, to standardize roasting profiles and measuring um, our actions to make sure that uh, we are on top if we roasted the coffee too, li- yeah, too light or too dark. Mm. Uh, and it so it doesn't. We can prevent it to reach our customers mm. if it's really off. Um, of color yeah but also uh, also improve the internal communication instead of like saying uh i want to roast this color a bit browner now you can say actually you can have a yeah. figure to to talk about i want to increase it with two 
units or like four units yeah exactly no no so we always i always uh so we say when is it a 90 coffee or 94 exactly. or is it uh, and then if it's too is it uh no it was in brazil it was 101 mm. oh shit it's too brown it's a little bit too light <laughs> for the it's it's a little bit too light for the no the, the higher the color the lighter the color uh yeah. that's a little bit too light for an espresso roast so we might need to taste it before we uh bag it right yeah. so it's it's indeed a way of uh communicating with the uh with the stuff yeah yeah that's also one interesting yeah. thing you talked about that uh, the numbering of the tracking is like very different from unit to unit it's like uh, yeah. so in some trackers it's like the higher number the, the lighter color and uh, yeah in some trackers it's the opposite so uh, yeah usually with the um uh yeah with those the the numbers they they are not unified so you need to it's it's really only for your own um, internal communication and not to compare other numbers you see yeah. and that's that's what the ska tried obviously with the actron numbers yeah. uh, but those machines are simply so expensive yeah. so it's it's uh, i think not a lot of roasters have an actron actually an actron machine but only use use the scale as a reference yeah. Uh, so they tried maybe to unify this uh, and uh, I don't think succeeded, but, um, yeah, we'll see what happened. Uh, it, it's, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. It was so nice to have you in this program case. Yeah. I hope it was helpful for the, for the, for the people and enjoyable to listen to. Yeah. It's, I think it's always interesting to listen to people talk about different subjects to get just like a reference of what you do yourself and ah, oh, I didn't like you you get inspired by listening to other people <laughs> and it was also good to speak to you Philip yeah, you're my um, the, the people can know that you're my uh, my SCA Rose trainer yeah. <laughs> I learned it yeah, it was so nice uh, catching up uh, and I hope yeah. to see you at uh, some event close by yeah alright take care take care bye bye right. bye